You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode... We're appearing in the background in Fab Facts. The circus is coming to town in The Randomizer. And we're joined by producer, writer, director... What can't he do? Mark A. Altman. Ooh, that's all coming up in pod 167... Of the Multitasking Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Hello, hello. Are you all right there? Oh, oh yes, I'm just a bit um, a bit delicate, but I'm, I'm fine. I'll be well, all right. Why, why are you a bit delicate? Well, you know, here in the UK, at least, things are opening up a little bit more now. So, you know, we have the opportunity to go out and meet a few friends and perhaps imbibe a little alcohol. Oh, well, dear. Yeah. I had, I had one of those nights. I'm all right. You know, I didn't overdo it. Yeah, but you are but about I, I half just, an octave I'm, lower than normal, I'd say. Little, Maybe a little more I than am that. A bit. Oh yes. goodness me! You I mean, it's, like it. it's sort of lovely in a way. Uh, anyway, so I'm <laughs> oh, I'm, yes. uh, I'm Jamie Anderson. I'm joined by yes. uh, Richard James, who's half an octave lower than normal. But That's true. Why yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, why am I here? Well, I'm here for the Jerry Anderson podcast. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for the same reason as well. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, over there, ah, do you oh, know yeah. what Chris is doing today? What is I he doing? I think he is making you some homemade Alka-Seltzer uh, for your yes. delicateness. Brilliant. That's perfect. What's going in there? We've we got some sort of honey, some, some sort of effervescent sort of tablets. Is it bicarbonate of uh, soda or something to it give is, it the fizz? Yeah, he's stirring a bit of vinegar, I see, going in there. A bit of aspirin. Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, old egg yolk. Yep, oh, yep, God. Perfect. That's not going to make you feel better, is it? Uh, <laughs> touch of the never agains there. Never again let yes. Chris prepare you an Alka-Seltzer. Um, <laughs> yes, anyway, Chris will be here later on with his amazing randomizer because he yeah. is the randomizer. He is. That's true. It's been decided, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, some podcast to go. Uh, so, yeah, we're here with all sorts of Jerry Anderson stuff, including the following, yeah. uh, now delivered to you in a Barry Gray, a Barry Gray, no, a Barry White, oh. different, different <laughs> colour entirely there, a Barry White octave from Richard James. I mean, there never was a Barry White, Barry Gray crossover, was there? That I would love to hear. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be great. I might work on that. I might work on that. Give me a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, well, it's the Jerry Anderson podcast. So we're going to be talking all things Jerry Anderson for the next oh, about an hour, hour and ten minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we've got fab facts coming up in a moment, of course. We've got some Jerry Anderson news, and it's a very exciting instalment this week. May I say? Is it? Isn't it? I think it, I mean, is. it usually is. We'll find yeah. out, won't we? Uh, exactly. We've got the randomizer a little later on, as Jamie just mentioned. And, of course, the uh, lovely Podstrons have been getting in touch with us at podcast at jerryanderson.com. We yeah. are dot .com now. Right. It's okay. official. And now, if they were to address uh, podcast.co.uk, would it, would it still come through for the time being? We will or... still get it. And, in fact, we'll probably yeah. still get it forever because, okay. obviously, all those podcasts, all the previous 166 podcasts oh, yeah. are out in the world yeah. with the .co.uk address. So we'll keep it live. Uh, that's but right. do address okay. it to podcast.jerryanderson.com. Great. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be reading out a few emails a little later on, as well as a few Twitterings, a few YouTubings, and a few Facebook group posts as well. And, Ooh. Jamie, you're the first 
part of your interview with uh, writer, director, producer, Mark A. Altman. Who is also a massive Space 1999 fan. Ah. Uh, yes, Mark uh, is the producer of Pandora, which you, mm. if you're in the US and you watch The CW, you may have seen it on there. Ah, yes. With music by our dear friend Joe Kramer. Ah. So it's a very small world, but uh, no, Mark is here to talk about all things Anderson Space 1999, Great. Star Trek and beyond. Um, Good. So that's all exciting. And Richard, did you know, so mm. this is unrelated from uh, Mark, uh, this is okay. a separate did you know right. did you know that we have just launched our very own podcast network what now yeah there's the anderson uh, entertainment podcast network now what? that includes wow. this podcast obviously yep. first action bureau uh, the randomizer uh, podcast yes. and i'm uh-huh. considering launching a fourth podcast yeah you never are uh, but this one would be uh, sort of the anderson audio drama podcast okay. where each fortnight i suspect we would be giving you either a full episode of a free audio or a full free chapter as a teaser for something that's coming up i thought that might be quite a nice thing to do so that you know every time you go there you know you've got some free anderson Ah, audio drama goodness to enjoy what do you reckon to that yeah i think that's a winner okay well potsteron i want to know from you what you think of Mm -hmm. that would you like us to do an anderson audio drama podcast either weekly fortnightly or monthly i don't know which one yet email us yeah. podcast at jerryanderson.com and yeah. um uh, we will try and make that happen in the coming weeks because there's so much coming up uh, well. obviously terror from the stars the Th- first thunderbirds audio is out operation ice cap the first stingray story is out with big finish yeah. as of last yeah. week and it's coming right. out on cd very very soon great obviously we've got five star five we've yeah. got all the old terror hawk stuff We've got uh, audiobooks, obviously, that we've done previously with Big Finish, your Space Precinct releases. We've got Gemini Force. There's so much stuff, and we'd love to give you access to those. Uh, Full episodes where we can, or, you know, decent chunks of chapters so you can get a feel for it. So let us know what you think. Podcast at jerryanderson.com. Thank you. I'm full of those once in a while. Certainly full of something. Now, it's interesting. (laughs) You you addressed uh, Podstron there in the singular, which sort of suggests we've only got one listener. No, not at all. I just, I'm just aware. You might be right. Yeah. It, it's just nice to, to yeah. you know, we're talking into somebody's ears directly. Yeah. So okay. referring to lots and lots of people seems a bit weird in a way. If we're in, yes. a, in a big room right. full of people, I can say podsterons. But okay. when, when we're talking right now, podsteron, we're talking just just to you right now in your Ooh. ear. Okay? Oh. Well, it's weird. all about you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Richard, should, we should get on with this podcast because you've got oh, things really? to yeah. do uh, yeah. and uh, things are happening. So let's mm-hmm. uh, go into some fab facts, you think? Go on then. Actually, it's just one. Here we go. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Fab Facts is that part mm. of the show right up front, which is happening actually right now in your ear. It is. Yep. Uh, unless you've got a clammy ear, of course, and you've, you're now airing it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, long story. If you haven't heard the previous podcast, so oh dear. Anyway, look, I've got a book of Fab Facts. It's right here. That was there me it slapping it. And uh, I am going to flick through it at a random point. Richard James is going to shout fab, which is my cue to Mm. stop flicking. When I stop flicking, I will look at the page and read you a fab fact from said page. Are you Mm. ready, Richard James? Born ready. Are you standing by Podstron? Yes. Excellent. Then here we go. Fab. Oh, 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 oh. What? What have I done? Well, Richard. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to think of some instances of what I'm about to report uh, it, within right. your career, possibly within your Anderson career. But let's go ahead with this week's fab fact. Now, sometimes in a, in a television show, you might find yourself spotting something that you're not supposed to see. 
Oh, true, yes. Something that breaks the reality of the world you're watching and reminds you that this is indeed a television show or a film that real people are making for you. Yeah. We're talking about spotting glimpses of the studio uh, when the wall of a particular set doesn't extend quite far enough or the studio lights get into frame or when the camera's yeah. moving uh, or mm-hmm. uh, even production assistants standing in shot holding a cup of coffee, for instance. Ah, oh, yes. That kind of thing. Sounds familiar. You yeah, know yeah. about that. Mm. Luckily... Although there are all sorts of mistakes and goofs scattered through Anderson shows, um, as you'd find in any show, to be fair, you very rarely see accidental glimpses of the studio itself or the crew getting on camera or things like that. Uh, Obviously, excluding scenes in UFO that were set in the Harlington Straker film studio where that sort of thing actually might happen and was filmed on purpose. Anyway, excluding that, you might occasionally see the reflection of a camera crew in a window of Ed Straker or Harry Rule's car as he opens the door, for instance, but not much more than that. Okay. Um, There is a Space Precinct episode, I believe, Richard, where uh, someone gets in shot. Who's that? Yes, lovely Christine Glanville I always think is quite appropriate actually as she was a, a very long serving uh, member of the Anderson team it I think is, it's double duty I think it's the very first episode I think you're right yeah it's only right yeah. that she's in there somewhere yeah uh, however in the case of one of the more famous Anderson shows you do no, get to uh, see are Sorry. there more famous Anderson shows, shows than Space, Space Precinct yes there, there are maybe just a couple well Oh. In one of those more famous ones, you do get to see parts of the studio uh, where the series was filmed. Not only do you see it once, but week after week after week, because it was part of the iconic Thunderbird 1 launch sequence. Oh. If you watch the scene and look at the shot where the extending walkway that Scott is standing on actually reaches Thunderbird 1 and the cockpit door opens, mm-hmm. look very carefully and you'll notice a brick wall in the background. Okay. What you're seeing there is an actual interior wall of the Slough-based studio of AP Films where Thunderbird was filmed, pressed into service as the interior wall uh, of Thunderbird 1's hangar. Okay, yeah, yeah, I now, see. In the murky world of standard definition, that wall was n- well, never really leapt out at people, but in high definition, the slightly grubby white bricks and obvious wooden doors and water pipes are a little... <laughs> clearer shall we say oh, right. and yeah. look a bit more 1960s than Scott and Thunderbird 1 yeah, and yet it is one of those things where because people completely buy into the world of Thunderbirds and the launch of the amazing machine it doesn't really ever take you out of the story hmm. uh, and well since you never really get a good look at the wall uh, on the model set maybe that's exactly how Brains designed it to look maybe it was completely on purpose yeah, exactly um, we should mention that you do finally see that wall on the uh, model set of the Thunderbird 1 hangar in Thunderbirds Are Go, the 1966 movie. And it doesn't look anything like a 1960s factory in Slough. Uh, But interestingly, there is also no shot of the puppet Scott about to enter Thunderbird 1 in the film either. Ah. So the wall had appeared in so many episodes of the television show, never made it onto the big screen. Probably for the best, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. There you but, go. I mean, that wasn't accidental, though, was it? Well, I suppose, no, it wasn't. So I mean, they obviously just thought, well, that'll do. It was an on-purpose accident, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it that's was, right. Yeah, yeah that we should look, this should look okay. I mean, any other yeah. instances that you can think of in uh, in your Space Precinct days of things oh. uh, being well, shown actually, that weren't supposed it, to be? Bringing it a bit more up-to-date. Now, uh, I don't know if you know this, Jamie, but I had a spot of work a couple of weeks ago. I heard. Yes, I got some work. 
uh, in these strange times. I did an episode of something called uh, Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which is coming out next year. Hmm. And uh, we were suggesting, we were talking about this because I don't know if you remember recently, there was an episode of Game of Thrones where uh, there was a Starbucks cup accidentally left in shops yes, and it on sort the of floor, went viral. Yes, by uh, That's Cersei right. Lannister. Yeah. And I was talking to the cast of this thing I was doing a couple of weeks ago, saying, now, the thing is, we're all going to be seeing, if we look out for them, there are going to be masks, aren't there? All these masks that people are wearing when they're rehearsing scenes, yeah. and then they have to discard for the actual shoot, you know, when, when they call action. They're bound to pop up somewhere. So I think any drama that's being shot at the moment, when it's screened next year, keep your eye on the shelves, cupboards, anywhere in the background. Yeah. You're bound to see someone's mask, I reckon. Because these things do get through, don't they? They do, especially small things. I mean, maybe you'll see some discarded... Yeah. Um lateral flow tests or nasal swabs yes, or something exactly yes that's right yeah i don't remember much else from space precinct i'm sure there must have been a course mm. little snafus and things that got in shot when they shouldn't have been me mainly i've gotten in <laughs> shot when i shouldn't have been. <laughs> almost <laughs> apart from that certainly well uh, yeah, yeah. Podstrons, if you've spotted anything do email us pod- podcast mm. at jerryanderson.co.uk that is just podcast at jerryanderson.com sorry oh dear mm-hmm. I said pod podcast as well yeah. I mean any of those emails will probably get <laughs> yeah. to us eventually yeah exactly goodness me so yes if you spot any uh, any uh, gaffes or uh, little reflections or people mm-hmm. appearing where they shouldn't I mean there's a ve- there's various fingers and thumbs and hands uh, in oh, sure. the Supermarination yeah. series yeah but uh, right. anything live action, do let us know. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Anyway, yeah. I think that brings us to the end of this week's Gaff Fact. Oh, dear. What? Well, I was Actually, going for Brick just... Fact. Brick Fact. Mm, and then, yeah. and then I realised I just said Gaff, and then I ended up sort of yes. going bravo. So, Well, what you, you saying Gaff gave me the, uh, the seed of the idea, you see. Yeah, no, that was great. You, you did it right. It's I did it wrong. Gaff Fact. There you go. Uh, well, as ever. Uh, now, you're listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast where Jamie continually gets it wrong and I get it right. Uh, now, here's the thing. You must subscribe to us if you want to catch every episode. That's the best thing you could possibly do because you get a notification every time a new episode appears every week. Uh, also, uh, leave us a nice rating and we'll love you forever. That's a review and a rating for those of you who are new to the podcast. And, of course, uh, why not copy the link and share it on all your socials and maybe your friends will listen too. We've had a bumper crop again of emails to uh, podcast at jerryanderson.com there we are I've said it Uh, for example Jonathan Westall got in touch to say dear Jamie Richard and Chris uh, loving the podcast I always look forward to listening to it every week the episode selected on the randomizer back in pod 162 had me laughing so much that I was in stitches I'll never be unable to hear the words can I have some ice in the Captain Scarlet episode model spy from now on Uh, (laughs) my question says Jonathan is in relation to the supercar blu-ray will it be released as a standalone Blu-ray set without all the pieces of merchandise later on this year, or can you only get it as part of the special edition set? Many thanks, and keep up the great work that you do from Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. I can answer you this with some clarity. Oh, good. Uh, There will be a vanilla set, as they call it, which is Mm -hmm. without any of the additional adornments, but you should be aware it will not include any extra features. It will be episodes uh, only on the vanilla set. Okay. So that yeah. may be all you want, which is perfect yeah. then. But if you're hoping to uh, enjoy the extra features, and they are currently cutting together an extra, extra feature, I think, for the supercar set, then you'll want to get the special edition. Otherwise, stand by for, I think, November for the vanilla version. There okay. you go. 
Great. Uh, Terry from Hereford got in touch with the answer to a little poser that he uh, teased us with a couple of weeks ago, which I think was something about a tiger and uh, Moonbase Alpha from Space 1999 main mission. Do you remember that? Yes. yes. How do you connect uh, a tiger and, moon, and Moonbase Alpha? That's right. So he's, well, he's given us the answer. He says, as you know, <laughs> I pride myself in making up unusual questions. And he I does. think my last one has stumped you. Yes. Uh, he says the answer is back in the late 1930s, early 40s, a team of British agents codenamed the Zoo Gang lived in a small village called Ease, I think, E-Z-E, uh, approximately 12 and a half kilometres from Nice in southern France. Now, the people playing the four were John Mills as Elephant, Brian Keith as Fox, Lily Palm as Leopard and Barry Morse as the Tiger. Uh, and there you have it. Uh, looking forward to giving you the answer, on, or hearing the answer on the next podcast. Another will follow soon, warns Terry from Hereford. <laughs> Threatens Terry. <laughs> that's right. Uh, great. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a good fab fact, isn't it? I like that. Let's uh, mm. do a bit, a bit of research on that. We also have one from David J. Barry, who says, uh, Hi, Jamie, Richard and Chris. Now, in pod 87... Richard asked if any Podstrons were behind in listening to podcast episodes. Well, he says, yes, I am a bit adrift. Uh, in my defence, I was late coming to the podcast. I'd never listened to a podcast of any sort until I dipped my ear in the water, so to speak, hmm. uh, with 13 minutes to the moon. Then one day, whilst browsing the Jerry Anderson website, I stumbled across a fab fact and I was hooked. Uh. What? You stumbled across a fab fact and you were hooked? <laughs> uh, Richard? goes on. Uh, it was John Kane's resignation letter from Doppelganger appearing in episode one of The Persuaders. Ah, yes. yes. So as a result, I purchased the full set of The Persuaders, not that I didn't believe, Jamie, you understand, and started listening to the podcasts from the beginning. I'm 65 years young, but I've never been to a convention. As I'll be retiring and leaving the UK next year, I wondered if any events are in the pipeline so I can tick this off my bucket list. Yours in hope, David J. Barry. Well, mm. David J. Barry, mm. it depends when you're leaving the country next year. Mm. If you can hold off for a bit, <laughs> yeah. then there might be something that will be absolutely perfect for you. Oh, That feels okay. like an exclusive tease. Unless yeah, I exclusively teased that last week. I can't remember. Yeah, can't remember. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's, yeah, nice. there's something definitely uh, in, uh, in 2022. Okay, there you go, David. So uh, change all your plans, please, uh, yes. just so you can uh, join in with whatever's happening next year. Yep. Uh, Miles Parrish got in touch. Hi, gents. Just want to say a big wahoo about the trailer for Stingray Operation Icecap. Yes. I know the trailer's been out for a while, but I've listened to it again a few times this week, and I'm so excited to hear the whole story. Uh, it's familiar and yet new. Your plaudits for Jules de Jong's Atlanta recently mm. are right on the money. Mark Silk and Wayne Forrester as Troy and Phones are smashing it. The voice of Nick Briggs as Commander Shaw and Titan is like hearing an old friend, even though I don't know him personally, of course. I've spent a lot of time recently listening to his podcast and I had a big smile when I heard him. Uh, looking forward to all this and more from your amazing team. Star Wars, Star Trek and Doctor Who all have their expanded universes. It's amazing that now Ander fans are being so spoiled with stuff for them too. 2021 has been the year I've realised that the Anderson world is my favourite fandom of them all and oh, what splendid brilliant. timing it's been. Isn't that lovely? That is lovely. We love to hear stuff like that. We that is great. Do. Everyone is welcome in the world of Anderson, whether you're a, you know, a newbie, a first-timer, uh, you love one show or them all. It doesn't matter. And even, oh, yeah. even if you that's hate right. Terrorhawks, you're still welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. No, that's right. Now, Jamie, I have to say Six Degrees of Anderson. Yes. Well... You know, it started out with a big splash. Yes. And now it's more of a little drip. 
Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, well, but, but Paul Hyder's still enjoying it and he sent Great. us this. I think it was, um, uh, oh, crikey, what was your last one? It's about a, a, a salmon and Colonel Straker's car or something. Was that the link? I think it may have been specifically yeah, something like that. I, 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 uh, I can't quite remember, but I, I'm only surmising that from the six degrees of Anderson that Paul Hyder has sent in this week. He says, uh, uh, number one, the Yiddish word for salmon is locks. Number two, locks are Scottish lakes where salmon are often farmed. Right. Three, lacks means something that is missing or ineffective. Number four, locks are a method of traversing canals. <laughs> right. Number five, if locks, locks lack locks, they need to be fixed. And number six, canal lock restorer, who is the person who would fix the locks, 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 is an anagram of Colonel Straker's car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brackets, good luck trying oh. to explain that in one in an audio-only media, Richard. Ha <laughs> ha, all the best, Paul Hyder. Well, I think I did a good job, didn't I? I think you did a great job. I mean, I've got a slight headache after hearing it, but yes, yes. Um, that was quite it's something, bit, Paul. Uh, it's a bit Dr. Zeus, isn't it? Locks, locks, lack locks. Yes. Did you ever read uh, Dr. Zeus growing up? Uh, Cat in the Hat and all that sort of stuff. That's it, yeah. Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, yeah not, not really. Uh, but that is the only singular and individual answer we had to your last okay, six you, degrees of Anderson. Okay. I mean, do you want to try it again or should we leave it there and move on? Uh, let's move it. Let's move on. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, right. let's forget all about that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, but in the meantime, you could send us still your own six degrees of Anderson. Why not post them on our Facebook group uh, or send them into podcast.jerryanderson.com along with your reviews, comments, questions, and uh, I'll read them out next time. Brilliant. I look forward to other people's six degrees of yes. Anderson because um, right. yeah, I'm spent there. Uh, <laughs> Shall we refresh ourselves with a bit of Jerry oh. Anderson news? Oh, how lovely. Okay, here it is. It is the Jerry Anderson News, e-news, news, 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 news. Oh, two extra news news is there. Yeah, why Amazing. Uh, I'm honoured. Well, since I've already mentioned uh, Mm. the show, which is a little like Marmite to our uh, lovely Ander fans. Yeah. Terror Hawks comes to BritBox in the UK. Well, uh, yes, it's great for UK fans who like Terror Hawks. Um, The Venn diagram shrinks. But uh, all 39 episodes are now live uh, on BritBox. And if you've never tried Terror Hawks before, on the homepage, there is currently a rail, as in a selection of episodes, uh, which uh, I have chosen, I must add, with the assistance of the Randomizer General, uh, who's still making this strange fizzy solution over there. Um, yeah. uh, the lovely Chris Dale, and yes, our our picks for the top ten episodes are there on the front on the homepage, so you can dive straight in to some of the best. Because I would I would say, actually, much like most uh, streaming these these days, most streaming shows, it takes three or four episodes to get going. Okay, you know what I mean. You really need yeah. to dedicate that time and push through the first few episodes because there's a lot of information to impart, the setup, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And shows often don't find their feet until episode three or four. Yeah, so either enough. make sure you're going to give it time and get to episode five, or dive straight into the top ten. If you're enjoying it, do tweet at Britbox underscore UK and let them know. Yes, um, yes. Because it all helps get more Anderson stuff on there, and I'm very keen that Britbox becomes the home of Anderson classics. Uh, in the UK now if you're in the US don't worry you can watch Terrorhawks for free I think on Tubi 
which is a streaming platform or on um, Shout Factory TV and that kind of thing. And we're trying to get it elsewhere, but uh, enjoy. Great. Space 1999 fans, the Eagle Moss Eagle One is almost oh. sold out. And in fact, by the time you hear this, it may well be sold out. And I don't think really? we can get any more. So if you pop onto uh, shop.jerryanderson.com and search Eagle One, if it's sold out, I'm really sorry. If it isn't sold out, please grab one if you want one because they are about to go. They are lovely detailed models. They're in a, a, a more affordable price bracket than the 1612 ones, but they're still beautiful and accurate and gorgeous and mm. great for display. I've got mine on display here and it looks great. Lovely. The International Rescue and Space 1999, I should say Thunderbirds and Space 1999, really. Uh, collector's badge sets are arriving in stock this week. In fact, I think... Uh, they just arrived today. They are limited to 500 units of each. You get 12 badges for under 40 quid. So, I mean, it's oh, yes, £3 something a badge, which is yeah. pretty reasonable. Presented in a gorgeous set. They look great. Uh, oh, so yeah, I've seen them on, on Twitter, I think. There yeah, you go. Lovely. Yeah, so do go and grab one of those. And also for Thunderbirds and Space 1999 fans, we have a uh, an International Rescue Field Agents Notebook. And uh, Moonbase Alpha Commander's Logbook coming very shortly, which are uh, notebooks where you can look and feel like you're inside the Andiverse. Great. Um, you know, living as an international rescue agent. They're quite subtle, yes. but they are really, really lovely uh, and mm. perfect for taking your notes, secret or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, now, we've partnered up with a fantastic uh, silkscreen print artist called John Patrick Reynolds. Mm. Uh, he's quite famous for his work with the Beano art, and he has now turned his hand to TV21. Ah. Uh, so he's taken some classic images from multiple shows, uh, mainly focusing on Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet so far, and has created by hand, I think just 30 uh, versions of each of these prints, which are now available uh, okay. or will be available very shortly on the store. They are lovely right. hand-signed, individually numbered pieces, and each one is completely unique just because of the sort of imperfections of silkscreen printing and the offset of colour and stuff. Oh, yeah. So they're yeah. really, really nice pieces. Um, so just pop along again to shop.jerryanson.com and uh, you can uh, look for John Reynolds on, on there, uh, J-O-H-N, and uh, see what you think. They're pretty smart, though. Uh, I've teased it already, but the Space 1999 Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual is launching oh, yes. in September. Lovely. Uh, we will be sending out a little survey in the next couple of weeks to make sure we've got everything covered, all the bases covered in this book. It's pretty extensive. I think it's 288 pages. It is amazing, absolutely gorgeous, and you are going to fall in love with this thing. Mm -hmm. Long awaited and uh, much, much requested, in fact. Mm. Uh, but we'll be sending out that via email, so do keep an eye on your inbox. If you're not subscribed to the Jerry Anderson newsletter, then you will not get that survey. Um, but we would love to uh, to hear from you, so make sure you're subscribed over there. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, you may have seen me possibly tweet a picture of a clapperboard with a lot of stuff. Uh, um, yes, yes, I saw that. Yeah, scored out on it, so you can't what see what it's about. What's going on? More news on that very, very soon. Um, mm. We have kind of alluded to what it might be, but I'm, I'm not going to say any more for now. Right. But uh, okay. if you're an Anderson insider, you will be very soon getting some inside information as an insider. It makes sense that way. And yeah. getting the inside track on what's going on, uh, some exclusive making of behind the scenes stuff and details that uh, right. won't be available elsewhere. So can I recommend you pop along wow. to shop.jerryanson.com, uh, look in the uh, about menu, I think, on the far right hand side, and you'll see a link to Anderson mm -hmm. Insiders there. 
Goodness right? me, that's a lot of news, yeah. isn't it? There's more besides, it? yeah. and I've also been doing some rather exciting stuff this week, which I guess we'll be talking about maybe next week or the week after. Um, Have you? But that's sounding pretty gorgeous too. You can tell it's an Ooh. audio thing, but here we go. Anyway, look, that is enough. Ooh. I need a break. I need a sip of my coffee. So please yeah. sing us out, Richard James. That's the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. Very exciting news. <laughs> and intriguing. And mysterious. <laughs> That, people, that, my people, middle names. Yeah, that's right, exactly. People do love it, don't they, when, when you tease, don't they? They love it and hate it. I can see it on Twitter. Oh, you yeah. tease. I feel it. a bit bad teasing, but no, it's sometimes fun. we're not allowed to talk about stuff and you kind of want to share because it's so exciting. Yes, yes. But there's so much right. stuff one has to keep completely secret, which is yeah, a yeah. great frustration to me. But there Indeed. we go. Now, not everyone is on Facebook, of course, but the more discerning Jerry Anderson fans who are, are also... <laughs> members of our Jerry Anderson podcast Facebook group. Uh, They've been posting some lovely things over the last week. Emma Whitehouse Bird, for example, posted, woohoo, a special delivery this week, a collection of 24 Stingray comic books produced in the early 90s. Character backstories, epic battles and Thunderbird crossovers. Anything can happen in the next 24 issues. Nice. Yes, uh, I've got got the set behind me, would you believe? Oh, lovely. Mm. Yeah, great. Uh, Ian Stevens posted, well, since I got told off by Mr. Jamie Anderson in the last podcast, Ian, said Jamie, where have you been? I felt I should watch Terrorhawks on BritBox. It's a blast, isn't it? Just to clarify, I don't have a Twitter account. I had a very bad experience on it last year and won't go back. So I'm reliant on this lovely group and the podcast for information. Well, that's probably just as well. Uh, I wonder what new stuff Jamie was referring to, says Ian. Firestorm, Terrorhawks reboot or something else entirely? I'm intrigued. Oh. Well, yeah, there's just ah, it's <laughs> it, the speed everything moves in telly, Richard, as you well know, yeah. is painful. It is so yeah. slow, and you make yeah, these. Yeah. It's it's sort of fifty nine steps forward and forty three back, that mm. kind of thing, uh, and yeah. so it takes a long time to get there. But um, yeah, yeah, there's a few bits and pieces which are now uh, things we can hopefully very soon talk about a bit more openly which is kind of yeah. exciting great um, good yeah, yeah. slowly yeah. slowly that's catchy monkey absolutely a catchy zuni yeah yeah that's right uh scott bickleeky has posted a link to his review of uh, terror from the stars uh, yes and he also says uh jamie richard and uh, andrew clements do you guys think that captain scarlet the spectrum files should be reprinted as books like thunderbirds terror from the stars and the others i think they should it's well deserved i hope yes. there'll be an announcement of it one day says scott yes yeah, so uh, the spectrum files uh, obviously have, have been released as audios via big finish before but they uh, have not been reprinted and it is something that we are looking at doing yeah. um, in due course. We might even do them as a little collector set of three um, oh, and yeah, release great. them all at once, perhaps. Nice. nice idea. So, yeah. yes, they may well be on the way very soon. Good. Uh, Rob Doyle says, the audiobook of Richard James's Five Star Five is excellent. Uh, Robbie Stevens is a man of many voices and he's done a wonderful job to bring these characters to life. His Clarence B. Bond, in particular, is exceptional. Yes, you're right. He says, uh, Benji Clifford deserves a special mention for making Five Star Five sound like a movie, even creating its own theme tune. I loved the book and the audiobook is even better. Ten out of ten, says Rob Doyle. Well, Absolutely, yes. Huge, huge pat on the back to, to dear Benji, who's doing some real yes. marvel, marvellous musical and sound design stuff and in fact again the thing that we recorded last week he sent me the first yeah. half of oh yeah it's amazing yeah. He's, he's so good at capturing those retro soundscapes so yes yeah. go yeah. benji clifford 
Yeah, good. Uh, Penquilla has posted a few photos from yesterday's visit to Cromford Mills Sci-Fi Exhibition. Apart from all the great models on display, he says, uh, or she, there's a thing, Penquilla, I'm so sorry. She. Uh, I don't know your, it's, oh, there we are. Uh, uh, great models on display. It was great to see people I haven't seen for ages, like Graham and Katie Bleethman, David Sissons and Richard Ashton. Also, others in the crowd wearing T-shirts decorated with uh, International Rescue or UFO or Joe 90, Blake 7 or Doctor Who, uh, all exchanging smiles. It reinforces ah, the idea that we podders need to have a get together i just hope jamie will be arranging something before too long and uh, on a similar note i did notice jamie the national film and sci-fi museum posted on their facebook page it was great to have jamie anderson son of legendary filmmaker jerry anderson visit the museum today to discuss exciting plans and future projects yes mm. yes that's a great site there in milton Keynes. Yeah, uh, popped along um with tim from our team and uh They've got some some amazing stuff there, including the original miniature of uh, Moonbase Alpha, yeah. um, which is now uh, vertically uh, mounted on the wall. Looks incredible, and thanks to uh, the brilliant James Winch, who has loaned that to the museum. But there's all sorts of exciting stuff going on there, and uh, I think we're going to see a bit more Anderson-y stuff there in due course. Great. Uh, but well worth a visit, and perhaps that is a venue for a future live podcast recording late, maybe that's later in the year if that's uh, allowed depending on what the rules are in the UK by yes, then. yes <laughs> that's right exactly yeah uh, and finally I mean we've done it haven't we over the last couple of weeks but I think really it's time for Tom Hodden to take control of this week's Quickfire Fire no. right now then Jamie are you ready for this this is the especially for Jamie Quickfire what? 5 Number one, root canal surgery or quickfire five? <laughs> I've not experienced the former, but I'm led to believe it's pretty terrible. So, okay, quickfire five. Ah, Just. Uh, number two, four years on a chain gang for a murder you did not commit or quickfire five? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you know what? False accusation and false imprisonment are two of yep. my greatest fears. So, okay. quickfire five. All right. Uh, number three, a nightmarish existence waiting for an alien power to destroy Earth from Mars for reasons you don't understand, or Quickfire 5. Alien thing would be quite cool to know that aliens yeah. exist, so the former. Fair enough. Okay, number four, Torchy is your flatmate, or Quickfire quick 5. Quickfire 5. Hey, and finally, number five, being trapped in a glass box for a 70-year journey to Earth because your suspended animation equipment was not calibrated for humans, <laughs> or Quickfire 5. Ah, uh, if I was... Ooh. Under 10 when I was trapped in the box, then yeah. I'd be trapped in the box, but probably really? then Quickfire 5. Because yeah, I might make it okay. back, you see, and I would avoid oh, I all Quickfire 5s for 70 years. Oh. What a treat. <laughs> ah, well, there we are. Well done. And thank you to Tom Hodden for that, especially for Jamie. <laughs> thank Quickfire you 5. so much, Tom Hodden. What a, what a lovely chap you are. Great. But do pop over to our Facebook group and uh, join in the fun if you can. Post your own pictures and reviews and comments and uh, the ho- join the, the, the quizzes and the, the Potter's Arms every weekend and uh, get to know some like-minded individuals. They're a nice, fun bunch. They are redefining fandom by being friendly and welcoming and lovely to all. Yes. So who knew, who knew that such a thing was possible? <laughs> yeah, no. It, well, it, is, it is rather a rather change, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it is. Everyone's so positive and lovely. Thanks, thanks, gang. We do love it. Richard James. Oh, yes. I think we need to welcome someone from across the pond, potentially. Oh, I think you're probably right, yeah. So, if I said to you, the librarians. Uh, Yes. Or Castle. Mm. Or even Pandora. Yes, which I have heard of, yes. Bearing in mind, we've we've already talked about that. You would obviously say to me (laughs) that those are all TV shows produced by our guest this week. 
wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what my response would be. Yes. I thought so, yes. Anyway, that guest is Mark A. Altman. And in addition to producing those shows and many other projects, he finds time to direct, uh, write books and screenplays, and even hosts a podcast. Getaway. Called Inglorious Trexperts, which is a great okay. podcast title, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, I like now, it. a few episodes back, uh, maybe a few, maybe 10 weeks or so, maybe more, they, they did a Space 1999 episode, even though it's a Star ah. Trek podcast. So thanks for that, Mark. Yeah. Anyway, he is, as you can probably tell, a bit of a sci-fi fan. And that even crosses over to the worlds of Jerry Anderson. So let's hear why he loves Anderson stuff and what other sci-fi stuff he enjoys. It's time for Mark Altman. Mark A. Altman, I should say. Hey, Mark A. Altman here. Jamie, it's so great to be with you. I've been a writer, producer on such shows as The Librarians, Castle. Uh, My first film was a movie called Free Enterprise, uh, which uh, is probably best known as Anderson fans for the giant Mattel Eagle hanging from the room of one of the protagonist's point, uh, apartments. Uh, I'm uh, the producer of a new documentary on the films of 1982 right now. Uh, yes. Of course, uh, Pandora, uh, which will be hopefully coming back for a third season uh, later this year, which I believe in uh, the UK airs on the UK sci-fi channel. And uh, what else? Um, I, oh, host of the glorious Trexperts podcast. Uh, <laughs> And the 430 movie um, and a bunch of other things I probably feel. Oh, author. Yes. Author. Also, uh, my new book, Secrets of the Forest, just came out from uh, awesome. uh, St. Martin's Macmillan Publishing uh, recently. And of course, uh, previous books include 50 Year Mission and Oral History of Star Trek, as well as the oral history of uh, Battlestar Galactica. So say we all. And last year's Nobody Does It Better, a complete oral history of the James Bond series and Spymania. So I think that covers the war front. <laughs> I don't know. I probably wow. missed a few things. Is there anything you, know? you, you don't do, Mark? I mean, it might have been shorter to ask you to list the things that you don't do or haven't done. That's a lot of stuff. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> what I can say, I say? I, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to I wanted to um, publish magazines and make movies and TV. And I'm lucky enough to have had the opportunity to do all that. And uh, yeah. I never take for granted the fact that I have this wonderful opportunity. And so I'm always just trying to do as much as I can and, and stay busy. And, and, uh, because you never know when it's all going to go away. <laughs> that is true. Well, great philosophy there. Um, I mean, you're clearly your list of things you've been doing, are doing, will do, have done. It's a pretty good list of sci fi nerd credentials. So, you know, when I say nerd, I mean that in the best possible way. I consider myself a nerd. And for listeners, I can tell you that Mark is currently sat in the centre of Moonbase Alpha wearing a This Episode t-shirt. So I have a feeling there's I, going to be a bit of a Space 1999 leaning to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I am on the Anderson podcast. I figured I had to come prepared with my This Episode t-shirt, which I absolutely love. In fact, you know, a lot of people who have no idea what Space 1999, when I do wear it, I've worn it on a couple of panels at Comic-Con when we're talking about television. And it works great for that, too. Mm. And I have to tell you, one of my my favorite things was when we were finishing up the Battlestar Galactica book, there was a question I always wanted to ask Ron more. And I said to Ed, who was like doing his thousand, my co-writer, his thousandth hour of interviewing Ron Moore. I said, you know, there's something we never asked Ron. We have to get into the book. I said, you got to ask him if the credits for the new Battlestar Galactica were influenced by Space 1999, because the same thing is this rapid fire montage of clips from the episode 
You know, the only thing that's missing is it flashing this episode, this episode. It can't be a coincidence. And so Ed uh, asked Ron and Ron and Ron said, yeah, I totally ripped that off. <laughs> Amazing. Paid homage. So we finally to got the uh, confirmation that the <laughs> Battlestar Galactica was influenced by Space 1999. Well, Beautiful thing. I'm really, really glad to hear that. Well, of course, our uh, friend of the friend of the show, I guess, friend of the company, Eric Chu, who was the concept uh, designer, did the new Cylons and a load of the new ships. He's massively uh, influenced by UFO and Space 1999. So it's it must be everywhere across that show and everywhere across a lot of sci-fi. And I'm sure you'll possibly point me towards some other uh, potential Anderson influences through this. So, uh, Mark, just popping back in in a time machine, maybe the TARDIS. Why not? Back to your your early viewing days, which set you on this course for nerddom. You know, over across the pond, we call it geekdom. But if you want to go with the nerddom, it's fine. I'm I won't go- be insulted. I- I'm just trying to be a, <laughs> trying to be a bit different. We can say geekdom if you no, like. No, 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 uh, nerddom is all. It's all good. It's all semantics. You know, there's <laughs> a line in the old in Star Trek, in the original Star Trek. And it, it, where, where we, you know, in the in the future, words can't hurt us. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that uh, about everything. I like. There's nothing like I'm a big believer. It's like what's what? What do you believe? What's in your heart as opposed to what do you say? You know, obviously, this is not about the geek versus nerd thing. This is other words, but um, but I, I it, <laughs> it's you know, in a in a world in which we're very sensitive to the the biggest, you know, any slight. Yeah. I, I'm not hung up on words. Let's no. let's put it that way. Well, intent, I'm, intent is what it, I'm 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 hung up on. Perfect. Well, we're between us, we're straddling geekdom and nerddom. So either way, we're, we're perfect. Both boxes. Yeah. Uh, so so in those in those early days of TV, like the viewing, Yalta conference, it's like Churchill and Roosevelt <laughs> meeting. The only thing we don't have here is Stalin. We got the two of us doing the nerddom and the geekdom meeting together to carve up the world. Okay. <laughs> I'm really glad we've established that. Uh, <laughs> so your your entry into either dumb, which what everyone is, yeah. what was what did that consist of? It doesn't have to be Anderson. I'm just interested where what got you on on this path of sci-fi obsession. Yeah, well, you know, look, it's a combination of things. It's a really great soup because obviously Star Trek from a very young age was a, a huge influence. Watching the repeats on Channel 11 in New York, which of course led into space 1999 because that was like for us in New York when space 1999 premiered, it was very exciting because we, you know, been watching Star Trek repeats for a long time. And then suddenly, Oh, there's this new sci-fi show and people forget, you know, pre star Wars, this was pretty amazing. Like spaceships and, you know, things blowing up and, 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 and the future. I mean, 1999 seems so far off. It was so very (laughs) exciting. So, it was a combination of that, of Star Trek, Space 1999, obviously Star Wars in 77. At the same time, my mom would take me to these old revival theaters. So like North by Northwest was a huge influence for me, which I saw at a very young age. It later became the Leonard Nimoy Thalia, Thalia uh, cinema, which is sort of oh. ironic. Uh, but at the time, it was only the Thalia. And I would see a lot of movies back then, like Charade and just got, you know, so I became a, a big movie fan at a very young age. But, you know, certainly sci-fi was a huge part of my formative uh, you know, upbringing. In 78, the original Battlestar Galactica, uh, 79, Buck Rogers. So, you know, I still have a soft spot in my heart for a lot of these shows. Um, in fact, when we were doing Pandora many years later, there were a lot of people from those shows that I wanted to, to cast, you know, to sort of pay it forward, you know, pay it back to these people were such a huge influence. So yeah. like in one episode, we cast Aaron Gray. And it was so wonderful because Aaron came to me 
after she did her role. And it, you know, it was a small role, it was a huge role, but she got to play captain. And she said to me, after all these years, thank you so much for allowing me, giving me a promotion, finally allowing me to play a captain. And I was <laughs> like, well, that was really meaningful. It's like I did this for, you know, this, this, you know, Wilma Deering, who I grew up on. So that was great. And we did an episode, a spy episode, which was we had really wanted the cast. My dream casting was George Lazenby and Catherine Schell, because oh. I wanted to do his 50th anniversary, you know, tribute to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And then later on, we'd find out she was a shapeshifter. No, no, we weren't going to find out that <laughs> Catherine Schell was a shapeshifter. But unfortunately, George Lazenby, all of a sudden his quote went up. He wanted a lot more money than we could oh, afford because we're not a huge... And so at that point, it was like, oh, I want to say this, it was a fairly small role. So I'm like, well, I have to use Catherine Shell for something else. Um, so we cast um, Mariam Diabo from The Living Daylight. So that was that was really fun. And, you know, over the years, we've had like Jeffrey Combs and we've had uh, you know just a bunch of people. And I'm hoping, you know, once we can announce the, the third season, there's a, I want to basically do an episode, which will be the Wild Bunch, where we're really going to go back and cast some of these legendary people from our youth and uh, I'm just such a huge, you know, huge fan of these shows. And um, it, it's uh, just a couple of people I'd love to see reunited. And, you know, a lot of this, you know, was going to happen during the second season of Pandora, but we got hit by COVID. So we couldn't bring anybody in from the U.S. We were very limited in terms of people who could fly in. So it really affected a lot of my plans. So I'm hoping for potential third season that we would really be able to do a lot of things I had in mind for the for the second season. But awesome. yeah, I mean, the 70s were a time in which I really discovered sci-fi. A lot of that was Starlog, Cinefantastic. I still have such fond memories of those early issues, like that Starlog number two with that beautiful piece of artwork of Space 1999 on the cover um, of Martin and Barbara. And, um, you know, just just so many, you know, so many great and and sort of stories in which, you know, my love of this stuff as a kid sort of crossed over into my career you know, as a professional, I mean, I'm sure you've had Rob Burnett on the show who directed Free Enterprise. One of our, our my favorite stories, uh, Space 1999 related was uh, Juliet Landau was coming in to audition for a role in that movie. And uh, she's in the office and Rob's director's office, which is filled with toys and chips and all kinds of stuff. And we're sitting there talking to Juliet Landau about the part. And all of a sudden, we keep seeing her look off to the side. We're like, well, is everything all right? She goes, yes, it's just very weird to see my father looking back at me. And sure enough, on the shelf was a Martin Landau Space 1999 action figure looking at Juliet. And it was just so funny. And we've had so many, you know, different cases of, of, of uh, you know, over the years where where, where these things have, have crossed paths. Even talking to you, Jamie, it's like, you know, bizarre to me because, you know, again, I, I still think of myself as that little kid watching Channel 11. And you know, watch the space 1999, and and so it's the whole the whole thing's weird. The interesting thing is with UFO, I was not a UFO fan in that I had never seen it. Um, it mm. was on Saturdays on I think Channel Nine in New York or something, and all I knew was the name, and I thought it was about UFO, like just UFOs. And there was a show on NBC called Project UFO, yeah. and I wasn't really into UFOs. Like in the 70s, everything was the Bermuda Triangle and UFOs mm. and you know, Bigfoot. And I, I just wasn't that into it. And I remember when we were first starting to make free enterprise, it was Rob Burnett who said, you have to see UFO. And it just come out on DVD on DVD. And I'm like, he's like, the show is so great. You have no idea. And he says, it's about a guy who fights aliens, you know, and, and he pretends to be a film executive. So he had me at that. <laughs> so I went out and I, I like, I must've watched the entire series 
like in one weekend. I'm like, this show is the greatest thing ever. And, and then I became obsessed with UFO. But I was late to the party on that one. Um, you know, it, it was it was really like I said, it was just I think because it was one season and because mm. it was hard to see in syndication in New York. It, didn't it was have a great all time over the place in the scheduling. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. So and and when it actually premiered first run, I was too young. You know, I, you mm. know, I wasn't. So I had to catch it later. Like Space 1999 was the perfect age because yeah. it was, you know, I was, you know, I was young, but I was still, you know, I was able to I control the, the clicker. Yeah, I, I control the TV clicker. You but know, did, I wasn't that young that I could turn it on when I wanted to. Yeah. Did it feel to you like a step up from Star Trek? I don't mean necessarily in terms of quality or anything like that, but right. did, it, did it feel more grown up? Was it a natural kind of evolution for you to go from one to the other? Or was it just it fitted within the whole sphere of sci-fi for you? That's a good question. I don't know if I felt that it was more adult. I did know, you know, I did feel like um, the production values you know, were better. Mm. Like you could tell, like, you know, the special effects were 10 years more advanced and <laughs> that the, um, uh, the, um, the sets, you know, in, in most cases were really impressive. I mean, the funny thing is, and I've said this to people, um, when I was a kid, you know, in that age, I mean, I was probably like seven or eight, um, you know, we'd play space 1999 more than we play Star Trek. I mean, partially because it was on the air, new episodes. But I remember I was a member of this beach club and we had these reclining chairs and I had this friend, Alan, and we play space 1999. And so they would pretend these reclining chairs were the Eagles and they would go up like that. And you'd be like behind the Eagle. And I had this, it was right when the, the water gun came out, there was a water gun that was the, um, you know, the laser gun. The, yeah, yeah, that yeah. looks like the staple gun. And <laughs> it, it was just great. And I love that. But the problem was it didn't hold much water compared to a lot of bigger water guns. Yeah. So whenever I have these water gun fights, I would always use the Space 1999 one because I thought it looked cool. But I'd always get my ass kicked <laughs> because it wouldn't hold enough water. So, I, I mean, it's, it's weird the things you remember. I, mean, I was very young, but, uh, but I have, you know, again, such fond memories. And like, for instance, the reason I lavish my kids with toys is not that my parents weren't great parents and didn't buy me a lot, but they didn't buy me everything I wanted. So like the Mattel space 1999 Eagle was something I desperately coveted. Yeah. And um, I never got that. It, you know, it was oh. expensive and, and they, you know, Ouch. they never got it for me and my allowance couldn't cover it. And so, you know, it, it's great. They say adulthood is to rectify all the mistakes of the past. So, you know, you're able to buy all this crap that you couldn't get as a kid like this, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like this. Oh, wait, I don't know if you can see it. It's uh, it's getting green screen. I just out. got the uh, the hawk. Oh, from, awesome! Uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, from sixteen, you know, from sixteen twelve. Wait, let's see here. Uh, anyway, but um, I was so excited, yeah, you know, to finally get the hawk. Um, finally, after all these years. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny because look, I, I, I it's no secret I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I had a good good friend. My I still is my friend Stephen Simak, and he was always the contrarian. Like. He liked Lost in Space more than he liked Star Trek. And then he was the huge Space 1999 fan. Like he had the mission, you know, Mission Alpha technical manual, and he was building the, all the model kits. I mean, I built like the Eagle, but he was like building everything. And he was just a huge Space 1999 fan. So, and I think what was great, he had Super 8 movies. He had like all the, he used to show. So I'd go to his house this before home video where you have like those 20 minute cut downs of like star Wars and um, uh, you know, all these great movies. And then um, he had mission 
you know, Destination Moonbase Alpha, he had the cut down version of. Yep. So I'd always go over there and we throw it up on the Super 8 projector, you know, and watch <laughs> these movies, um, you know, in their abridged versions. Um, but he was a, he was a huge Space 1990 fan. And then later on, he'd become a huge Galactica fan, uh, 1978 Galactica. But wow. it was you a went, great you, time. You found your tribe early on, Mark, it sounds like. I did. I did. Yeah. Find, well, you know, I met my friend Stephen because, I mean... At the time, I had a we had an ad in the library. We needed somebody to help us do special effects for a Super Eight movie we were making, and his mother saw it and gave it to him, and he responded. I mean, like that would never happen now. You would never <laughs> like, oh, there's a guy in a library who called these kids. I remember my mother when he called. He had a deep voice, uh, Stephen, who's like one year older than me, but she didn't want me talking to a stranger. So she said, "Have, have him call the other guy." So he called the other guy and he said, oh, I want to do special effects for your movie. And uh, and then we ended up becoming friends and we're, we're friends to this day. Amazing. But yeah, he built Moonbase Alpha and he um, uh, he was just a huge Space 1999 fan. But yeah, I mean, people forget, I, I mean, how impactful it was at the time. Mm. Um, it was a big deal. I mean, there were promos all the time and um you know, it was new content because yeah. the world changed with Star Wars. I mean, if you didn't live through it, you can't understand what it was like for science fiction fans pre-Star Wars and then post-Star Wars. Mm. I mean, I still tell people, I mean, it's unbelievable that Star Trek came back, Battlestar Galactica came back. I mean, the Dark Crystal came back. I mean, it's like, how is this possible? I mean, these weren't even successful franchises that, you know, somehow have gotten reinvented and remade and you know, at the time, we were just happy to have something that was like faux Star Trek. Um, <laughs> oh, but does you know, does that mean, Mark, that you thought Space 1999 had any element of faux Star Trek about it? Yeah. I mean, look, obviously, you know, Fred Freiberger's season clearly was influenced by Star Trek. Yeah. I think that, you know, Space 1999 sort of had... I think a lot of the good elements of Star Trek, but you know, one thing it did better than Star Trek, and we talked about this on our podcast recently, was the sense of cosmic mystery of not, you know, I, I think Enterprise, which is a Star Trek, but it could have really benefited from more of a space 1999 feel in terms of the sense that the galaxy is dangerous and there's all these wonders and dangers out there that we can't possibly comprehend. And space 1999 did that really, really well. And then, of course, I mean, the thing that Space 1999 did phenomenally well were the were, were the designs, the aesthetic, mm. because, I mean, Brian Johnson, I mean, I'm just in awe. And I mean, you see it in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I mean, the Eagles are, you know, one of the great spaceships ever designed for, you know, television, for television or movies. You know, design of Moonbase Alpha is 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 fantastic. But even, you know, even when you had, in like main mission, like cardboard walls, like cardboard punch outs of the, you know, uh, monitors and things. It's such a fascinating design. Mm. It's such a great, and it feels real. And, you know, the thing about space 1999 is it's just as influenced by 2001 as it is by star Trek, which yeah. makes it a really unique, uh, really unique. Mm. And, uh, I know it's been said, I think it was Darren Dockerman, my co-host on Treksports, who said that in a way space night, um, star Trek motion picture, was almost more influenced by space 1999 than by star trek which isn't <laughs> you know a negative i mean it's just you know this this sort of you, you see in the design there's a lot of the costumes and a lot of other of the, of the elements so i just think i think it's a show that doesn't get the the attention and the love that it deserves i mean mm. fortunately in the last couple of years there have been some beautiful 
uh, you know, obviously that the Blu-ray that Shout Factory did a couple of years ago here, and I know Network did amazing stuff over in the UK, is just phenomenal. Yeah. And um, it's a shame because you still say people when we, we tweet about it, I, it's like, I love that show. Where can I watch it? And and it's like they're everyone's looking. It's like on every AVOD streaming channel. and It's very easy to watch, but yeah, people aren't aware everywhere. of it. I mean, Stir, for instance, here in the States, has a Space 1999 channel where all they do is keep showing Space 1999. <laughs> so it's like, it's very easy to find if you're actually looking for it. But that said, I never understood the philosophy of like, and this happens a lot with Star Trek fans too, you see. Oh man, how can I see Star Trek with the original effects? It's like, just buy the Blu-rays. You know, people like, you know, if you love something, you know, why are you waiting for it to come on streaming where it could disappear in a day? It's the same thing with the James Bond films. It's like, I really like, does anybody know where I can see for your eyes only? Yeah, on Blu-ray, dude. I mean, it's like, only, I mean, you know how many times I bought every James Bond movie? I mean, it's insane. It's like, you know, I, I taped them off of ABC. Then I bought them on VHS. Then I bought them on VHS again. Then I bought them on all on Laserdisc. Then I bought the special editions on Laserdisc. Then I bought the DVDs and then I bought the DVD special editions and then I bought the box sets. Then I bought the Blu-rays and now I'm buying the 4K and then I bought a digital. It's like, you know, and you're wondering where you can find for your eyes only. Give me a break. Yeah, you're only missing the wax cylinder version there, and uh, you don't have <laughs> yeah, the full that's set. Right, that's right. Uh, but I mean, there are there are two distinct camps, though. People who are who have abandoned physical media altogether, and that's um, yeah. I think there's there's going to be a bit of a, a physical revolution when a few big things get dropped from a couple of popular streaming services due to licensing, and then right. suddenly people will go. <gasps> I need to own but this again. even even if you aren't going to buy physical media, and I understand if you live in a small apartment or you just don't want to own things, you know, yeah. why physical media may not be ideal. But then it's all available for purchase on streaming. You can own it digitally. Like you yeah. can buy Space 1999 on iTunes and own it yeah. and not have to worry about some streamer pulling it. You can certainly buy all the James Bond films on iTunes in 4K. They're all in 4K. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> Why, if you're a fan, would you be like, when is this going to be on Pluto TV? How is Pluto TV with commercials drops time spot? I'm so upset. It's like, I mean, I have to admit, I, I I do occasionally watch the Bond movies on Pluto TV, which is a streaming service over here, Avod, with commercials, just because I like to like sort of turn. It's like Russian roulette. Like I turn it on and see what James Bond movie is on. And then <laughs> I start watching it and it has commercials and I just keep watching it because I'm crazy, even though I own them all in pristine quality without commercials. But uh, it takes me back to like watching them when they first premiered, like on ABC here. So um, So there's a a nostalgic element in watching them that way. There's a nostalgic element, but it's also, you know, we have the thing, you know, the old um, TV test. Like if you're channel surfing and you come across a movie, what are the movies that you won't turn off no matter what point? Like Mm. Jaws. Like if you, you know, suddenly you're channel surfing, you come to Jaws. You turn, you watch the end, the Godfather, you know, it's like what passes the, you know, the TV test and, you know, the Bond movies in most cases, you know, the TV test, like I'm channel surfing and a Bond movie's on. It's like, ah, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Mission Moonbase Alpha, Moonbase Destination Moonbase Alpha would qualify, but uh, I used to love Bringers of Wonder as a kid. I loved it. Really? No, as a kid. Okay. I loved it. I loved it as a kid. I loved Bringers of Wonder. You know, I, I remember... I forget we I forget when I rewatched it. It was a couple of years ago. And I'm like, man, I love this episode. I can't wait to watch it again. It's been so long. It may have been when this, the Blu-ray sick. I don't know. I'm like, what the what? What was I thinking? 
I'm like, how is this my favorite episode? I thought it was like the menagerie of space 1999. It's like, it's terrible. And, uh, and then I, and, and then, and then I, you look so, but I, I, you know, it just goes to show your taste evolves, right? (laughs) Your taste evolves. It does. Things evolve, things change. Thank you, Mr. A. Altman. Yes. Uh, Mr. M. A. Altman. Uh, We'll be back with you next week. What a nice chap. Very, very, very enthusiastic. And thankfully one of those uh, lovely, guess where i don't actually have to ask that many questions because he's very you self-motivated like those, and has things to say yes yeah a bit bit of mark a bit of samira any of those uh, totally yes, up for it, it i can sit back and just listen to the lovely things they say um yes anyway uh, mark has a thousand and one projects on the go a very familiar situation there but uh, currently yeah. you can support his brand new documentary 1982 greatest geek year ever oh. uh, over on indiegogo they had a successful kickstarter and uh, they're Great. raising funds for post-production there um really interesting project which i'm sure will appeal to a lot of you podsterons and you can also follow him uh, on twitter at mark a altman same on instagram in fact but there'll be more from mark in part two next week great look forward to that good so you good. should Nice. Good. Uh, over on Twitter, people uh, have been hashtagging us, Jerry Anderson Podcast, tagging me, Richard M. James. Him over there, I'm Jamie Anderson. And, uh, oh, Chris, lovely. He's almost finished. Look, a lovely concoction there. Be perfect for me. Uh, Chris Dalek. For example, Jamie Griffiths. This is uh, regarding Terrorhawks appearing on Britbox UK, saying, this horrific, nightmarish series terrified me as a child. Yep, good. Needless to say, <clears throat> it's an epic slice of 80s nostalgia and I totally love it. Zelda's a hero <laughs> of mine. Any, any Jerry Anderson TV series is a welcome addition to Britbox UK. Uh, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Lost in Transition tweeted, Richard, because of your occasional mentions of Wendy Craig on the Jerry Anderson podcast, I thought I'd share a bit of Wendy Craig in the Danger Man episode The Gallows Tree from April 1961. No Ross Kemp, however. What oh. can he mean? Uh, but anyway, he posted some lovely pictures of uh, a very young Wendy Craig there. Uh, Simon Drax says you should stop whatever you're doing and listen to the Jerry Anderson podcast right now because it'll make you feel wonderful. Oh, that's <laughs> good, isn't it? That's a lovely comment. Love that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Jay tweeted to uh, David Monday, who was a previous guest on the podcast here, saying, I loved your interview, uh, part one on the Jerry Anderson podcast. Looking forward to the next. Also, just letting you know that you're not alone in the nexus of Anderson, Doctor Who, Star Trek and football. Oh. So that's good, isn't it? There's a a little niche out there. That's right. It's very good. Now, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I suggested that people uh, use unusual bookmarks in their copies of uh, any new Jerry uh, Anderson releases that I'd are coming out. I'd forgotten, but that yeah? does explain yeah. a particular image I saw on Twitter now. <laughs> now right. that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, they've hashtagged them and books. For example, Alex Past uh, used his copy of one of my Bowman of the Yard books as a bookmark. <laughs> nice try, makes Alex. Because I did say that I would offer a little something to a winner, if you remember. Mm. Jack uh, used a Jerry Anderson store receipt as a bookmark. Uh, (laughs) James Pilson Wood managed to squeeze in a Scott Tracy figure. But the winner, and yes, you will be receiving a little something from me, Danny Moy, who used his Space Precinct pencil case as a very fitting bookmark uh, for his copy of Space Precinct Demeter City, which I rather liked. So, uh, Danny Moy... What were you receiving from you other than a cease and desist? Yeah, yes. A few weeks ago, I was lucky enough. Uh, I mean, I'm giving away something that I won myself, to be honest. Well, that's still generous you know, in a way. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I entered a Starburst magazine competition to win a printed copy of the cover of, I think, their 2012 Jerry Anderson Memorial Edition. Yes. Yeah, it's with a that lovely, lovely piece of artwork. by Mark Rayhill, I think is that's his name. That's it. Yep. 
So I've got that. Uh, I think it's about A4 size, maybe a bit bigger. I'm not sure. But I will sign that for Danny Moy. And Jamie, I think mm. I might be seeing you next week. Am I seeing you next week? Well, because oh, you're yes. kind of in the area and I might pop along <laughs> while you're doing that thing. Yes. Oh, well, uh, there's been a slight change of plan there, but I still oh, am right. in the area. So we, we oh, should still... Yeah. yeah, if we can, I'll get you to sign it as well. But if not, Danny, it'll be just from me. Uh, so drop us your address, please. Danny Moy to uh, podcast at jerryanderson.com and I'll forward that on to you as soon as possible. Brilliant. You're doing very well with that .com thing because I keep forgetting it. So Yes, I know. Yeah, Impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Impressive. Well, I'm very good at learning lines, you see. That's, that's kind of what I do. Uh, so it goes in quite easily. Explains. Right, okay. Sorry, what, who are you again? Uh, oh, yeah. How rude. Um, <clears throat> now, Chris has finished his concoction oh but don't 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 touch it what oh because it turns out it was not a drink oh it was to clean his collection of uh bronze and copper that's right i could see now he's made his very own homemade sillet bang yeah, yes. So, it bang. it bang. Yes. Bang, and the dirt is gone. <laughs> now, there it is. Uh, but that's what Chris has been doing all that time. I so see, thank I goodness see. you Fair didn't enough. drink it. Yes, quite right. Who knows Who what knows that would have done, done to me. Yeah, 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 nice and clean anyway. Uh, so he's finished there. I think he's he's finished dipping his uh, bronze medals in there. I don't know what they're for. We'll have to <laughs> right. find out shortly. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's coming over now to uh, to do his randomizer. So um, all right. Should we hand over to the randomizer for the randomizer? Yeah, let's do that. Off you go, randomizer. Well, there she is, ready to go. Yes, indeed. I must say, Lieutenant, it's been a great help having you install this wireless connection on the randomizer. Yes, with a built-in radio receiver. Quite. In fact, the test run was so successful, there are very few modifications needed. You know, I've earned a lot in these last weeks. Well, that's what I'm here for, after all. <laughs> oh, uh, did you have my money? I thought I'd just write out the cheque for 50000 Okay, excellent. Well, before you do that, uh, perhaps you'd mind pressing the button today. No, not at all. That's it, thank you. Will Lieutenant Masters report for free lunar medical right away? Well, sounds like they're playing your song, Lieutenant. I'll let you know what we got, okay? Yeah, I'll see you around. Oh, what a nice chap. Okay, so it's... Ah, it's Fireball XL5 today, and the episode is Flying Zodiac. But who cares about that when I've just conned Shadow out of $50,000? It was my check. Wait. John? Hey, John! Where's my money? So, welcome back to Fireball XL5 on the Randomizer, and uh, a very strange episode, I find. Wonderful dinner, Venus. Nothing That's what you should have cooked. Uh, straight up front, it's, I have to say, it's its not one of my, my favourite uh, instalments of the series. That's exactly what it is we're celebrating, Steve. <laughs> so the boys have convinced Venus to uh, throw them a really nice meal without telling her why. It's 200 years ago today that the first Zodiac performed in the circus. Oh, is that all? I've been slaving in the kitchen for 17 hours, Steve. Why you waste my time? Madam Clara Zodiac. The uh-huh. greatest clairvoyant of all time. I, uh, I remember reading about her. Of course. The Somewhere. I'm not sure where. Tell us all about the Zodiac, Steve. Okay. Uh, but after Matt and I have made the coffee. We, uh, we're going to try out my new coffee-making machine. So hmm. while we tackle this hazardous mission, you relax for a change. Come on, Professor. 
I like that. I like them making fun of standing by. Oh, come on, Steve. It's the coffee-making machine. I mean, the... That's what you say. Uh, yes, yeah, Steve is descended from circus people, apparently. Anyway, the boys have unwisely left Venus with the, uh, the crystal ball. Um, and basically, she is now managing to hypnotise herself. <laughs> She's staring into it, and her own reflection is staring back at her, and, uh... That is apparently enough to short-circuit Venus's poor little brain. She's gone. Yep. And now it's circus time. Artists include Flying Zodiac, Venus and her Loopy Lazoon, Jock something or other, and Madame Mivia. Is it quite clear? You are to fix the trapeze wire so that it will break when Steve Zodiac is doing his act. Familiar voice there? When the wire breaks... Because it's Mr. and Mrs. Spacebuy again. ...is distracted. That's when I will signal Nomadians to move in. And I will fix the thruster packs just to make sure they can't rescue him. Don't... In league with some Nomadians. And this is the first appearance of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Spacebuy in, I think, production order and broadcast order? Which is strange because they hadn't been introduced yet. All the thruster packs. If anyone attempts to fly with them, they're as good as dead. And now we see our regulars uh, getting ready for the circus because there's literally nothing else that anyone would be doing of any importance in Space City. Uh, we have Venus teaching Zuni. I think you must be tone deaf. We'll um, never get this good enough for the performance tonight. He's a space monkey, you twit. What? Come on, he's just hes just your pet and you've pressed him into performing for the show. No, no, Poor little thing. Also in the background there is uh, Ken Johnson, who had been in one other episode before this, Space Monster. Uh, he was pilot of Fireball XL, whatever. It got eaten by a space monster. And uh, I think this is his, his only other appearance in the show. Also, we have Jock performing his human cannonball routine. <laughs> All right, I suppose. I do like Jock as a character. With it, it's positively dangerous. <laughs> oh, look at that crazy robot. Ah, yes, and uh, Robert is uh, performing a sword-swallowing act because this is very safe. You don't do yourself an injury with that sword. Uh-oh, yep, there we go. He's, uh, touching metal against metal. And dead. Well, I warned you, Robert. It was a crazy idea anyway getting you to do a sword-swallowing act. Because it's not like you're a valuable piece of hardware or anything that we can just replace at a moment's notice. Oh, wait, you are. Oh, that's a f f fancy bit of puppetry there from Jock, uh, leaping out of his safety net. I suspect that might have been uh, something played backwards. Meanwhile, in Professor Matic's lab... Well, you're gonna get a big surprise, all of you. Matthew Matic is not such a toot as you all think sometimes. He's working on something. Just sees Zero's face when he sees... What in the universe is that? Top hat. Yes, Matt is working on something. We know not what. This is going to be a uh, running subplot for this story. But to wear that on top of all this? It'll be uh, very satisfying when you find out how that actually ends. Anyway. It's for a good cause. Zero is the ringmaster. 
being issued with his hat by Lieutenant Ninety. I'll see if I can persuade Professor Matic to lend me back one of my screwdrivers. Yeah, that'll take care of it. Screwdriver to uh, repair the robot. Stage one of plan complete. A okay. Come in. Close the door quickly, please. Bright light destroys my cosmic concentration. Madam Mivia, just thought I'd come and see if you're quite comfortable. Thank you, Commander. And I wonder if I don't know. Was were Mr. and Mrs. Space Pie? just meant to be these one-off circus people and then they decided oh actually these are quite nice characters we can reuse these puppets and these voices um or was well, I don't know. okay Colonel. again i'm just questioning how venus is managing to dream up these people before she's before she's even met them but madame uh, this is venus it's um you know, it was unwise to leave her alone with the crystal ball now she's giving herself visions of the future indeed what do you see now for instance I see, I see the face of a circus clown. Oh, there he is. That's more the clown. That's me. Oh, gave me quite a shock. As we've... And here's an interesting together before thing they can do with the puppet. It's not really puppetry as such. Drop by and introduce myself. <laughs> they make his wig bounce up and down, but I'm fairly sure that's the back panel on the puppet's head being lifted up and down to to create the effect it's um it's quite a fun way of of incorporating that that feature that all these puppets would have had at the time meanwhile lieutenant 90 is all on his own in uh space city tower right object moving towards space city mm. hmm. can be a space missile it's too slow still better give an amber alarm if only there were more people working in Space City who could staff the tower when Commander Zero is off talking to circus people. Amber alarm. Well, nothing to get excited about. If you'll excuse me, I'd better get back. Sure, Commander. I do hope that it is nothing serious. <laughs> I don't think you mean that. Oh, the crystal ball, madam. Tell him they've been spotted. Everything's going... According to plan. Oh yes. So Madame Mivia has uh, got a uh, a radio in the bottom of her her crystal ball to contact the Nomadians. Couple more to fix, Colonel. And make sure you fix them good. I don't want to come adrift during the act. I don't want to fall to my death. That would be inconvenient. There's a whole line of them now, sir. Almost stationary, as if they were parked in free float. A line of spaceships, rather like a caravan. That's just what it is, I guess. A caravan. A caravan? Yes, 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 a caravan. A caravan? Yes. A gypsy caravan. Ever since... I'm sorry, I had to do that, but that's a very Fireball XL5 moment, isn't it? Someone suggests something, and the other person says, yes, you are correct, and the, the first person goes, what? What are we talking about? I forgot the word I just said. You don't want any trouble while the circus is on. Oh, very funny. Ride, Ninety. Be good experience for you. Go on, Ninety. You're always saying how you're sick and tired of being earthbound. And Steve's gone cross-eyed. <laughs> that's a very strange look for the puppet. Oh, dear. Meanwhile... What's the matter with the old fool? Turn up the volume. He's as deaf as a space giraffe. 
Oh, good analogy. Good analogy. We know giraffes are quite deaf. Space giraffes more so. And here's the leader of these space nomadians. Caravan leader to Mivia. This uh, old uh, chap in, uh, well, just just lying in bed, really. I may have lived many, many light years, but uh, I am ooh. not deaf. Over. That's inaccurate terminology, actually. Uh, you don't live light years. You, you, light years is a distance. I'm surprised XL5 would uh, would make such a rudimentary mistake when it comes to uh, to space travel. Anyway, XL5 is now heading out to investigate the line of uh, the caravan. Oh, that was a pointless shot of. Uh, I hope the old fool doesn't mess things up his end. The space spies watching XL5 leaving. The caravan leader, my dear. This is some nice imagery coming up, though, of um, XL5 approaching the, the caravan fleet. Not long, and my people who have wandered through space for light years upon light years... That's not how it works. ...permanent camp. Earth, the fairest planet of them all. Ooh. Well, I don't really see any problem with that. Thruster packs running out. Better get down to the stores and get another. I sure hope nobody sabotaged any of them. I'm interested. Oh, here we go. Professor Matic, please. This is utterly ridiculous. I'm trying to fix Robert here. His math subplot is still carrying on. It's extremely hard if you persist in refusing to allow me to get my own tools out of my own workshop. He's not letting anyone in the workshop. Your tools. This is utterly ridiculous. Whoa. Okay. Oh, what a space-crazy man. He's still working on his thing. Very important. We'll come back to that later. Hello, Ross. Fixed it? No. And my name's Ken. Ken Johnson. Ross was the idiot guy. He was in three episodes. Um, with Robert. Swallowed too much sword. He's blown his top. I suspect they've either used... Zodiac will do if I don't... Well, they've used the wrong name or the wrong voice or the wrong puppet. Um, it's a shame. I, I do prefer Ross, actually, to Ken Johnson. He has that, as I've said before, in uh, in Big Rat Bites, he has that wonderful haunted expression in his eyes and uh, swollen head and is completely incompetent at everything. Johnson seems slightly more competent than Ross, but uh, not by much. So, Steve is now... Uh, Heading out to investigate the caravan. Yeah, there's only four. Four of them in this uh, line of spaceships. To be honest, I don't really see the problem with them uh, landing on Earth. But uh, I'm sure that within each of these four ships are thousands upon thousands of people. Across to the leader's caravan now. Good. Well, he knows the regulations. I don't think the Nomadians will give us any trouble. We will give you no trouble, Colonel Zodiac. Yeah, I was right. I'm also interested. Who's who's in the um, the photo on the uh, the caravan leader's uh, bedside table? It looks like always we must move on. Some kind of politician. It looks like someone from American history, actually. That I feel I should know. More than enough. Interesting. Anyway, we don't know where the Nomadians have come from in the first place. They look basically human. Oh, and Johnson's. Uh, Zero. Luke. 
Kenny's falling. He's falling. The pack must have failed. Oh, what a shame. There he goes, very slowly falling to his doom. But luckily... That's typical of Steve. He always insists on a safety net. Yes, for everyone except himself. <laughs> Let's go over and see how Ken is. Oh, couldn't we talk about Steve some more? Get back to your own space caravan, in case they suspect. I'll call up caravan leader, the old fool. Um, oh, okay, so the space spies have their own circus caravan? I mean, at, at this point, it's, there's no point calling them the space spies, because uh, this clearly isn't uh, happening for real in the XL5 He's world. He's only suffering from severe atmospheric shock. What oh. happened? His thruster pack seemed to give out on him. Here it is. A terrible mess, I'm afraid. I, uh, I hope your friend will be all right. A most unfortunate accident. I'm not so sure that it was an accident. <gasps> oh, no. That's quite a thing to say, Steve, considering we already know that it wasn't. Meanwhile, back with Caravan Leader. And when the circus performance is underway, and I get the signal from our secret agent, we move in. At last. Oh, he's addressing his, his throng of followers. All six of them. Is this all understood, my people? And it's very obvious that these are the regular Fireball XL5 puppets. Um, what gives it away is over on the left-hand side of the shot. You can just about see Lieutenant 90's uh, fabulous uh, eyebrows. Which makes me think that you know the ones next to him are, are Matt and Steve and, and Venus and so on. So, there we go. Uh, once the circus is underway... All Earth's defences will apparently be uh, be down. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great uh, pleasure... I do like this image of uh, Zero in his uh, ringmaster's gear, though. How are you feeling, Commander? Terrible. I'm so nervous. I'd rather intercept 30 space missiles than go through this. Yeah, you'll be okay once you get out there in the ring. I thought Steve was the one you sent out to intercept space missiles. Go up and check my trapeze. Lieutenant 90's up there now. So 90 has fat what? Oh, okay, no. That's not 90, that's Mr. Space Spy. But as an establishing shot, they showed, they clearly showed the 90 puppet from behind there. Well, this is it. That's confusing. Down there, Lieutenant 90 will be back to take over the control room in a minute. Oh, the ruined Lieutenant 90 has been uh, bound and gagged in the uh, storage room. Try and get yourself out of this one. Will he succeed? That, yeah, that was a very, uh, very poor piece of misdirection with the uh, actually using the 90 puppet and then cutting to Mr. Space Spy. It almost looked like Space Spy was watching him when in fact that was meant to be him. Very confusing. So... The, uh, the fabulous Space City Circus is underway. It's a rousing success, as you can uh, no doubt hear. Zuni is, um... Well, you know... If you let Venus and Zuni headline the, uh, the circus... That's the way. It's going to go quite badly. 
even though she has dressed him up rather cutely. Oh, no, no, no. Don't laugh, please. Zuni's so sensitive. He'll go completely zany. Oh, no. In the carnage that followed, 17 people lost their lives at the hands of Zuni. And now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of the most daring acts of the 21st century. Basic competence from anyone at Space City. Human cannonball. Oh, there he is. Our great Scotsman. So, yes, the, uh, the control tower has been left unattended. On the basis that, oh, Lieutenant 90 will be back any time now, and we have nobody else working at Space City who can man it. Oh, but that that caravan fleet of four spaceships... Me via to caravan leader. Who, who just want a home. That's it, Jock's lowering himself into his cannon, and... Well, you know, at this point, if I'd paid money to enter this circus, I would be asking for that money back. Oh, this is terrible. It, it could only happen to me. I believe I, I, I believe they mentioned that uh, the money is going to charity, but I'm not sure what charity. Oh, and the, uh, the caravan fleet is moving in. It's no good, Commander. I'll have to strip her down. Maybe I can get her working for later on in the show. Well, go on to Zodiac's Act. Do your best, Jock. Gentlemen, we've now had two failures. The fabulous, fantastic flyer, Steve Zodiac, who will perform his sensational trapeze act without a safety net and without his thruster pack. A warning for the squeamish. It will mean certain death. Well, they're not kidding around. There he is, up on the trapeze. Uh... Yeah, who knew that Steve Zodiac was descended from a line of circus people? It's, understandably, I don't think it's ever mentioned again after this episode. But uh, it's a very strange piece of a backstory for him. There he is, swinging away on the trapeze. And some interesting puppetry they're, they're doing with this episode. I've got to give them that. There's, uh, you know, Steve's now hanging from the, the trapeze via uh, his... Uh, his legs, and uh, yeah, okay, this is the sort of thing we wouldn't normally see. Amazing, <gasps> wonderful. Oh. I can hardly believe my old eyes. The, the people who work at Space City are so incompetent, they left the control tower unattended for me to walk into. You really behaved very badly, you know. Just because you played one wrong note. Uh, mm. He played lots of wrong notes. But not necessarily in the right order. Venus! What's that? Venus has taken Zuni to the... Uh, thruster pack storage room to tell him off, and they've heard Lieutenant 90 struggling for help. What a wonderful grandstand view. Let's get to work. So yeah, the caravan has, uh, has landed at Space City. I love the circus. The space spies have taken the caravan leader up to the tower just to watch the circus. Yes, isn't it? And we want it to stay that way. 
Well, it doesn't sound like he was going to do anything to sabotage it. I mean, they're trying to kill Steve, obviously, the space spies, but um, beyond that, what is the... Uh, what's the ultimate goal here? What's the Nomadian plan? I don't know. They don't seem to have one beyond just reaching Earth, which they've done. Now they're going to watch the circus. Anyway, the uh, rope that Mr. Space Spy cut earlier, well, started to cut, is fraying and gone. <gasps> so Steve is now hanging by the other end. Doesn't look like he's going to get out of this one. Get a thruster back. No, Venus. They're all useless. Sabotaged. Ooh. Venus actually raised her hand to her head there when she heard the word useless. It's a word she's very familiar with. But who's coming to save the day? Why? It's Super Jock. His cannon finally works. Zero has apparently uh, aimed right at him. And, um, well, Steve has caught on to uh, Jock's uh, bottom. And they landed in the safety net. Hooray! Oh, thank goodness Zero fired you, Jock. I hope you don't mean that literally. The day they fire you, Jock, they can fire me too. Thanks, Colonel. And here comes the, uh, the thrilling subplot to the Mat Ark. He just blew himself up. That was his amazing invention. Yes, sir. <laughs> because it was the explosion of his tea-making machine back in the real world. He made it a bit too violent. It woke Venus up. Yes, sir. Professor, what have you been up to in the workshop? The workshop? What? What? Because it was all a dream. Dreaming, Venus. We've been around here all the time. Or, or possibly uniquely in the, the world of dream episodes, it's a hallucination. Flying through the air, Steve. Well, it almost happened for real in the kitchen. We should have her committed, Matt. I've been saying it for, for a number of years now. And I'll tell you the real story of the flying zodiacs. Well. It uh, couldn't be less interesting than this. That was Flying Zodiac, I think you can probably tell. I've never been a big fan of this one. I do appreciate the fact that it's trying to be something different, but coming so early in the run, it does rather feel like they've completely run out of ideas. Again, it's it's a nice, uh, nice to have a circus. We don't often have circuses in Anderson shows. I wouldn't have minded seeing more of that, actually. A bit, something a bit more dramatic regarding the uh, the circus the uh, also the first prince of the space spies but because it's not you know because it was a a, a dream or a daydream it uh, it doesn't really feel like a a bona fide appearance for them and you know you could insert any generic villains here and it would all play out just the same the nomadians i i didn't see what the threat there was really they're just sort of old people looking for a home there can't have been that many of them and it's just such a strange little story that um as i said really has never done much for me if you enjoy this one fantabulous but uh it's never been one of my favorites unfortunately that was a I'm great a episode of five by itself oh yeah oh yeah yeah thanks yeah, chris sure. <clears throat> Mm, Fascinating. Nice. Uh, anyway, uh, oh. uh, just uh, I mean, oh, oh just yeah. get, get a little wake up slap there. Um, thanks, Chris. Oh, can for, I give you one as well? A... Oh no, <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you very much. How rude! Oh, you're all right now. Are you all right? All right. Yeah. Anyway, Chris will be back with another randomizer. Hopefully, uh, a more exciting one next week. Yes. He really um, does watch it, so we don't have to. Don't we? Don't have to. Or put yeah, the phrase, isn't it? Yes. Doesn't I mean, it? At least it yeah. wasn't torture, but oh dear. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, you set me off. Now. 
Yeah, sorry. Anyway, uh, I'm, well, I think I need to snooze oh. after that. So, uh, yeah, me too, should we yes. wrap this yeah. thing up? Anything else yeah, you want to say that. before we go no, away? No, no, I'm too tired now. Okay, fine. Look, um, yeah, Ostrom, yeah. thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. I mean, there is a bit more after the closing titles, but you don't have to listen to that. Uh, no. If you've got any thoughts, questions, queries, comments, concerns, or anything else you'd like to say to us, please email us podcast at jerryanson.com. Uh-huh. That's dot com. And, uh, any tips mm. for staying awake would be much appreciated. Yeah, we will be back with you in pod 168 next week. Thank you oh, for yeah. having us in your ears and your home or car or office or wherever you are in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. Night-night. Stage one complete. Let's go. Are you uh, considering having a little taste of Chris's Silit Bang, do you think? or uh... Uh, I don't think I will. No, 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 I won't risk that. Did you ever have a Thunderbirds-inspired alarm clock? I did. I had the uh, ah. Thunderbird 2 launch ramp where it would oh, yeah. play a kind of... And then really? a, a flight sound. And to stop it going off, you had to lift the Thunderbird 2 off of the ramp. And that, oh. that would be the kind of stop alarm like it. Uh, function. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Why did yeah, you, so why I never did you had, do that? Well, I never had an Anderson inspired one. I've just been reminded I used to have a Star Trek Next Generation Enterprise D alarm Ooh. clock. But it used to wake me up by saying, wake up, the Enterprise is under attack. And I think it was a sort of a, a cod kind of wharf sort of voice. And you ha- again, you had to stop it by lifting the, the saucer off the, uh-huh. off the main body of the craft. But of course, every time it went off, I was convinced there was someone in the room. And I used to wake up absolutely <laughs> terrified. Wake up, the Enterprise is under attack. <laughs> terrified me. Yeah, that's... So, needless to say, it didn't last long. I know what you mean. Being woken up in that way mm. is kind of unpleasant. Oh, I yeah. had a, an ex many years ago who liked to uh, play a, a a CD Yes. to wake us up in the morning. And it had a, so, the, so the sort of stereo had a timer thing on it. And this particular one was um, Amy Winehouse. Right. And... I think it might have been back to back to black the first track oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, nice. That's good. And yeah. it's it's great. <clears throat> yeah, but being great woken song. up at say half past five mm. with that booming out is oh. quite sort of dark musically. Yeah, and, yes. oh, Fair and enough. I, it Fair used enough. to you know used to give me the willies. Mm. Yes. Well, Podstrons, what gives you the willies in the morning? Do let us know. Are you woken up by any Anderson-themed music or sound bites? What gets you in the mood first thing in the morning? Do you put the Thunderbirds march on? Uh, is it do. a bit of Stingray? Is it a bit of uh, Five Star Five from uh, from Benji Clifford? UFO, uh, I reckon, me up every day. Quite, UFO, a, yeah. quite a good yeah. wake up tune. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. Uh, yes, subject line: uh, Anderson, wake up, and um, yes, email us podcast jerryanderson yeah. Okay, right. After all that wake up talk, I feel a bit brighter, but I'm still going to go for yeah, a snooze. Yeah, me too. Actually, yeah. so I think I'll get on with the day. Yeah, oh, lovely. All right, fine. Enjoy yourself. All feel right. better. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cheers. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun?
You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.